Art, do we have a safety net running? We do. Oh, this is amazing. Wow. 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 Oh, wow. All right, I don't know Was why that our going. quack? Uh, okay. <laughs> no, no, it Three, was not. Two, one. Wow. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so no, because that will suck to sink to. So let's all quack. Uh, three, two, one. Quack. Wow. What did you say, Kirsten? Quow. Quow. That's wow. One more time. Three, two, one. Quack. Beautiful. Let's do a podcast. Today on the Geek Out Podcast, there's a new threat blocker out there just for Canucks like us. Parks and Rec is back for one more show, and it's a COVID-19 benefit. We've got some behind-the-scenes footage of filming for The Matrix 4. And there's going to be a documentary about The Mandalorian coming to Disney Plus on May the 4th. Oh, careful there. Just by saying that, Disney may now own your soul. Nerdy is the new sexy. It's good to be a geek. The Zones Geek Out, the podcast. It's the Geek Out Podcast. It's episode 82. We record this, oh my goodness, on April 28, 2020. Where is the year going? Oh yes, to heck, as of COVID-19. <laughs> to heck. Uh, <laughs> to heck. I'm Webmeister Bud. I, uh, is that what we do? Are we going right in the intro? Is that, I can't remember what we, yeah, okay. Uh, I'm Webmeister Bud. I host Bud's Weekly Geek Out Wednesdays at 720 with Dylan and Jason on the Morning Zone. DJ Boitano, you can hear me every weekday in the afternoon zone doing a show called The Mixtape. And I'm Bob Lucino, and I host that afternoon zone, and I'm on vacation right now. I'm Art Aronson, I'm a reporter for The Q in the Zone, and I'm also currently trying to get all the glitter off my desk. Thanks, Kirsten. <laughs> oh, man, I saw that. <laughs> I told Johnny when I put that glitter on your desk, like I was like proud of myself because I told him how much restraint... I had that I didn't dump the entire thing of glitter on your desk. So you should be thankful. Oh, yes. That thankful. was me showing restraint. You okay. are a monster, Kirsten. <laughs> I miss art. And so what? The way to show that is by dumping glitter all over his desk? With restraint. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Say who you are, please, Kirsten. Kirsten, middle name restraint, James. <laughs> <laughs> Kirsten, dot, dot, restraint, James. <laughs> yeah. What did our GM, Rob, say in the meeting? That it was about the 15th of March? Well, that was a Sunday. No, so it was the 11th. So uh, today is day... F- in, well, when we're recording this, this is day 49 of the world going to hell. Wow. Uh, so difference. tomorrow is uh, uh, day 50. Oh, goody. Yeah, because... Goody, um, goody, goody. It was when... Uh, th- so it was March 11th that uh, COVID-19 was considered by the World Health Organization a pandemic. Uh, right. That's also when it was announced that Tom Hanks had it. Uh, right. Which is like... <laughs> that's like the barometer. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then uh, when the NBA canceled as well. Holy crunch. And it was the following weekend, right? That really like we all just hunkered down into um, quarantine and whatever. That was like... <laughs> I remember that weekend. I was like, oh, it's quarant weekend, thinking this would last, I don't know, the weekend. The weekend? Yeah. <laughs> right? And then it would all blow over, and here we are 50 days later. That is quite wild. Also quite wild that Tom Hanks, not satisfied with playing every American individual <laughs> that exists, 
uh, now wants to be the savior of humanity because they're actually using antibodies, I think, from his blood. Did you all read that? Yes. Yeah. In vaccine yeah, well, research. And we read this earlier that it would be possible that people who had recovered from it, they could use their blood. So, but hey, getting Tom Hanks blood specifically, I don't know if Right? Can you imagine getting the Hanks vaccine? So uh, Dylan and Jason were talking about this uh, yesterday in the morning show, and I had a moment of like, "Oh, Jason, watch, watch what you say, watch what you say, Jason," because oh, no. he started like Dylan told the story, and then Jason paused, and you could tell that he was thinking about something, and he's like, "I'm just trying to think of like Tom Hanks." blood-related movies, and I was like, don't you dare oh, no. make a Philadelphia oh, joke, Jason. Oh, no. no. Wow. <laughs> bad. That's bad, hilarious. Bad. <laughs> and then so I texted that to him, and he's like, that's exactly what I was restraining myself from doing. I was like, I can, <laughs> I can hear you thinking. <laughs> oh, my God. Thank goodness for restraint. Yeah, I was uh, going to ask you guys, has this almost 50 days now, has it gone quickly? Has it gone the same, or is it seems like a very long time like it has for me it's gone really quick but like i read something once that was said like when you do less things time goes faster so if you like had a month where you didn't do anything and you looked back at that month you'd be like holy shit that month went really fast but if you did something every day um you would remember those things that you did and it makes it not go as fast so basically because Mm. we're not doing anything and that's where i feel is i kind of feel like Personally, I feel like it's gone quickly, but if I look back at to when this all started, I was like, this feels like forever ago that it that it started, yeah. but uh, it kind of feels like it's just gone by fast. I was looking at my calendar yesterday because I was sadly deleting all my upcoming vacations from my oh, calendar, no. and I was looking back, uh, and I realized that March, whatever it was, 15th. Art, you and I were supposed to go to cask night. Do you remember cask night? Yeah. And how that, that feels like forever ago. Um, what was that, Victoria Beer Week or something? Yeah. It was like the one event that got canceled and <laughs> we didn't get to go. Anyway. And, like, I think most of us have continued to work as much or more as we had been in the before times. Am I right? Yeah, I think so. I I mean, I don't know. I've scaled back a little bit at work, you know, just because I don't want to be there more than I have to. And I was thinking about this today as well. It's like, you know, because there are some conversations right now, some optimistic conversations about getting back to a normal-ish in the next little while in British Columbia, you know, with some social distancing measures still in place, but kind of restarting the economy. And I'm wondering, like, what will that mean for our office and will more people start to come in and all that? And it's just I'm, I'm just thinking like and this has been said across a lot of industries. Don't get me wrong, but um, it's interesting that people can kind of reevaluate how much they can work from home. And so, like, I'm really um, considering like and I know, look, you can all joke and say that I, I just roll in pretty late as it is anyways, but I'm going to try to even as things kind of get back to normal you know do what i can to work from home more and i think i'm going to try and get that set up a little better or that if that means buying a new ipad or whatever so i can you know prep and and send stuff into jenny um you know during the day from home just so that there's one less body in the office until is necessary you know what i mean so if i got to come in for a a meeting or 
or whatever. But even then, it's just like, well, we can do that over Zoom. It's been shown. We can do that from our homes still. You know, we don't need to be rushing into the office. Um, as much as I know a lot of people would like to get back to the office and get back to that sense of normalcy and whatever, um, I just think some people should take advantage of this big realization that um, if it's better to work from home, probably we should, you know, simply because having one less body is a good thing. As much as I miss people, as much as I miss like being there and being there as a group and everything and hanging out for group meetings, um, I, I don't know. I, I just, I think that we're a long ways off still from that even, you know, as we approach, we get back into some things and they start to reopen some things and there's going to be more people going into work, wherever it is that you work. Um, I still think that we all ought to do what we can to reduce the number of just, you know, vectors floating around myself included. Yeah, agreed. Geeking has always been a very telecommuting friendly job. Like for many years, I would telecommute on Wednesdays. Like I love everybody in the office, but it is just, it's a very dynamic and fun and distracting office. And I found mm. telecommuting from on Wednesdays that I could get a whole heck of a lot done. But by that, it, the system for me is set up and it, it's really easy for me to do. And before Kirsten was hired on full-time, she did a lot of her work from home as well. So I seem to recall I sent you and I, Kirsten, t like home to telecommute a little bit before this all went to absolute heck. Um, and because it's, I won't say it's easy, but it's efficient for me. Anyways, it's just been weird that it has not stopped because I'm used to telecommuting a day or two or sometimes a week if I've got a big pro. It's been 50 days. Yeah, for me, it, it totally, it, it was not a big adjustment at all because before I worked at the radio station, I was a freelancer. So I just worked from home. So like, <laughs> this is just totally normal to me to be working from home. Yeah. But I guess Even that, for this long, yeah. Kirsten? Yeah, well, because before I worked at the radio station, that's what I did, right? I was a freelancer. Yeah, that's true. So I just yeah. work from home every day. So I've got I've got it set up. I think once things start to angle a little bit toward normal, I still think it's going to be a lot slower of a process for the world in general to get back to that kind of gathering. I think yeah, people some people are going to find that yeah, working from home is great. Some people are going to have a bit of a, a fear, paranoia, concern, whatever you want to call it, about getting back into these crowds. And while there may be this this rush, probably from the younger crowd, of socialize, 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 I think for a lot of people it's going to be a very slow sort of ease back in. And I'm glad that, um, you know, for uh, like us in essential services anyways, we found that the systems that we've had to, you know, either have cobbled together or the ones that we already had working, they do work for us. And so we are able to lean on them a lot more now. Yep. Well, that was Cherry this week on Bud's Weekly Geek Out. <laughs> I talked about CIRA Canadian Shield. CIRA stands for the Canadian Internet Registration Authority. These are the people who admin the .ca domain name. And so that doesn't sound very... Um, high security, but they, they partnered up with the... Did anybody know what the CSE is, or Communications Security Establishment? No. <laughs> I always love when... I always find out when Paul doesn't know something. <laughs> sort of a cross between a no and a meow. Now... <laughs> Um, they're one of this country's key security and foreign, uh, foreign signals intelligence agencies. So basically, they're Canadian spies. So they got together with CIRA to make 
this Canadian Shield, which is an online threat blocking tool, and how it's implemented is really simple. You just tweak some of your network settings on your computer um, or your, your game console, and you use their DNS, and the traffic is routed through them first. And if you click on, say, a malicious link, it will check it against their threat list, and if it matches, you don't even connect. So it's sort of like a first, first, first line of defense. And there's an app for Android or iOS devices, and I've been using it, and I've noticed no difference in traffic or anything, and it's just it's one more layer of constant vigilance, and I love it. <laughs> Excuse me. Wow. Oh, bless you for living. Um, yeah, you know, that is an interesting thing. And um, yeah, I mean, look, at we, it's something that we always think about. And, and Bud, certainly I love your mantra of constant vigilance. But, you know, as we talked about telecommuting or, you know, working more from home and, and how uh, this pandemic might show us how that's a more healthy way to live, maybe. Um, it's interesting that uh, so to grow the opportunities for scandal or uh, scandalizing or getting in there and scamming and stuff like that. So I guess the security has just got to be up to even more too, right? And that's a lot about the timing of it is because we have a lot more people right now who are on computers who may not be as constantly vigilant as some of us. Right. And so the timing is uh, perfect for this to come out, even though the process to make it happen is slightly geeky. But I mean, hopefully most people have access to a geek that could help them do that. Yeah, that's good. And yeah, I, I'm excited about what this kind of forces into uh, reality, you know, like we've all kind of complained about like, oh, everyone's on the internet so much that now even like when we try and conference call or watch things, it's like, cause everyone's at home watching Netflix or whatever the case may be, just like our reliance on these networks and on these systems, you know, become so apparent and so important. And, uh, and, and that kind of necessity will hopefully breed some really interesting um, innovation. Like this is one great example, but you know, there's lots of things. I, for one, welcome our new 5G overlords, if that means that <laughs> things work faster and better. And uh, if I get a little extra COVID for it, well, that's just one conspiracy theory that turned out to be right. And I'll be happy to have faster internet because of it. Stop it, Paul. <laughs> go, bur go burn down a tower or something. Jeez. <laughs> hey, question for Kirsten. Mm -hmm. Do you know where I got constant vigilance? And I'm asking you specifically. I, d I don't know. I mean, I have some guesses because you're asking me, but I, I don't know oh. where. It's it's a Harry Potter thing. Yeah. Oh. That's what, what? I don't run. Mad-Eye Mad Moody, or yeah. I guess at least Barty Crouch Jr. when he was pretending to be Mad-Eye Moody. Spoilers, sorry. Um, yeah. Would always shout that in his Defense Against the Dark Arts class. Oh. Now, was that a Mad-Eye Moody actually what he would say, or was that what the imposter was saying? Well, that's what I'm saying. That was I'm pretty sure Barty Crouch was the guy who was saying it. Um, but uh, I prefer to think of it as Mad Eye Moody saying it anyway. Yeah. Mm. Did Mad Eye Moody ever say it after he was actually Mad Eye Moody? That's the thing. I tried to remember whether or not he did, and I can't remember huh. whether he did or not. But it's a great phrase, no matter who said it. <laughs> Let's talk about some stuff that is coming sooner or later. Just read about uh, the Parks and Rec cast. Reuniting for one more half hour, which is a COVID-19 benefit, and this will actually be happening Wednesday, April 30th. Could be today as you're listening to this uh, at 8.30 p.m. if the time zones are correct on, on NBC. Huh. And they're all doing it remotely, right? Yeah, well, because the storyline will, will revolve around the pandemic. 
Oh. Um, how far have you guys watched all of Parks and Rec? I'm like, I've like just started season three on it, so I haven't. I don't know exactly the whole storyline of the whole show, so I don't know exactly where all the really? characters are and everything. Parks and Rec? Yeah, no, weird. I'm horrible at watching stuff, and I binged the whole the whole series last year. I think that, and and you guys, you've binged it the last year, are, um, Bud. You can confirm this, but. I think season three is when it kind of finds itself. Isn't that right? Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Like, I mean, they were trying to be the office, undoubtedly, right? Yeah. And there were lots of zigs and zags. But yeah, things definitely did start taking a, I, get, I would say, a more consistent uptick yeah. uh, from that point. And it, I think it had a little falter, you know, a season or two before it, it ended. But I mean, it, that's every show, right? Yeah. Yeah, I should get back on it for sure. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm I'm actually wa- watching The Office right now, which for most people I think is like uh, if you say that it's just like yeah, of course you are. Fucking everyone always is constantly watching The Office. That's what. Oh, you which do. one, Paul? What's that? Sorry. Which one? Oh, good question. Um, I'm watching the American one uh, all the way through right now, but I also cool. watched a couple of episodes of the British one last night just to like kind of have a remember Barry about it. Nice. Um, but uh, but yeah, I'm excited when I get through the office, I'm not going to do like a lot of people do and just kind of go right back to the beginning and start it all over again and just watch it on an endless loop for the rest of my life. I'm, people do that? <laughs> oh, yeah. People do that. Oh, yes, Ooh. they do. Oh, yeah. Put me, put, me in that, put me in that list of people that don't. Oh, that wow. Yeah. The too. office is the prime example of a comfort binge or, or, mm. or maybe not. Even, yeah, I guess it's a comfort binge, but just people – watch it like they're shoveling chips in their mouth it's a comfort food for your eyeballs and brain like that's been a that's like a a big phenomenon that's happened in the netflix era and then the office is prime example number one of that um i'm gonna try to avoid that though and switch over to parks and rec because i think it's a similar thing and there's other things too like brooklyn 99 is a great thing for that there's Seriously. a new season of it up on the uh, netflix right now but to get back to this particular story about parks and rec um, we talked a little bit about previously a few weeks ago about how like we were enjoying the late night hosts and what they were doing. And for the most part, I think that's, you know, s- still true, but I finally got around on my vacation here to watch a little of that Saturday night live from home. And that is really hit and miss, mostly miss. Did you watch the most recent one though? Or did you just watch the first one? No, I watched the most recent one. Oh, cause the, did you watch the first one? With all the no and the sound, I remember you saying that the sound was so yeah. bad. So because they stepped it up from they, that first one, which was just like basically them always in Zoom calls. Right. Yeah. That's all. Oh, their but skits. this, but but this one like actually had like graphics, and they kind of had like the weekend update graphics behind them, yeah. and like they had like production value. Like this, this like really stepped it up from the first one. Like you have to go back and watch the first one. Well, so that was kind of my understanding that this was a big technical upgrade and so yes. and as i was watching it i was like wow this sucks i can't i i would cringe <laughs> myself to death to go back and watch week one of them attempting to do this this fucking is awful and so yeah i don't know i uh, this uh so this whole the whole thing like again i commend their spirit and i commend their you know like continuing and plowing ahead and doing it and that's exactly what we're doing right now i also am like and especially for, I'm sorry, the visual MIDI medium, I'm like, I'm bored now of it. I'm bored of peeking into your house. I'm bored of the scaled back production value and the, 
shittiness of everyone's iPhone cameras. I'm just bored with this. I, I'm, it's not bringing me the joy, and especially Saturday Night Live. And so when Parks and Rec, and even as a fan of the Parks and Rec show, I was like, I don't really want to watch that. I'm sorry. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, I find it, inter- I find it interesting, like, because... Uh, on the sports side of it, no one's playing any sports, and the athletes are doing more interviews, and they're doing it through Zoom or whatever. And I find that interesting because usually we get more candid speech from the athletes. But when it comes to, like, entertainers, I, I don't know about you guys, but I just, when they have nothing to talk about, they're just normal people, and it's boring. Well, this is scripted so far as I understand it, so it will be like a performance, a show. Yeah. For sure. And I was just talking generally there. Sorry, bud. Oh, sure. About it. Yeah. About everything no, that we're yeah. seeing right now in entertainment. I guess we'll it, find out tonight's an, dish. Yeah. It's an interesting experiment, though, because I can imagine a world, you know, let's say this pandemic never happened, but I picture some hacky comedy writer pitching a story or a, or a TV show that rather than film documentary style, which is still the like, you know, um, the way they do things with from the office or multi-camera style like Big Bang Theory, they're like, how about a comedy show that's all filmed as if it's like a, a FaceTime call all the time? And in fact, I think there's actually a movie, like a thriller that came out not too long ago where it's... It's a horror movie. It's called Unfriended. Yeah, okay. It's, it's actually kind of creepy, by the way. It's a very interesting. I would recommend watching it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's but, not it's not like a great movie, but it's it's very interesting the way they execute it. For sure. And that is I'm sure complemented with a bunch of like seemingly screenshotty type of things of like computer screens and conversations and stuff, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So even with that production value and even with the production value that Saturday Night Live put into it last week, I am sick of watching people from that fucking straight on angle. Of the Zoom call and FaceTime camera. I'm so done with it. Hmm. Um, That's fair. This so, would probably be a bad time to recommend to you searching then. <laughs> that's that? the other movie, yeah. <laughs> with, with John Cho. That, maybe that's the one I'm thinking of, actually, too. The one where he's, his, his daughter went missing and he's going yes. through like, her iPhone stuff. and. Yeah. I thought that was very well executed. I didn't like it. <laughs> but, it is, it, but it is interesting. But watch Unfriended. They did it first. It's gimmicky and it sucks. And it's like, do none of these people have a partner who can hold their iPhone for them? So I don't have to at least see them from that desktop angle anymore. Oh, Saturday Night Live. No, I thought we were still talking about searching. I was like, his daughter is missing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. Good time to move on. We got what amounts to a motion graphic visual title for Venom 2 or Venom the Let There Be Carnage. Uh, we basically got this Mylar balloon looking font of, of <laughs> Venom and this... Did it not? No, I mean, it didn't look very threatening to me. Uh, and then the big <laughs> sound when the word carnage comes up and that's it. That's all we know. Um, but it is coming out June 25th, 2021. It would be a little bit more interesting if they already didn't reveal that Carnage was going to be a thing in the lot. Because that was like a post-credit scene of, of Venom, I guess. Spoiler alert. Yeah, but, but so, uh, I mean, because it was post-credits, that means we kind of knew, right? Yeah, we kind of knew. But then it was also, it's like they already had a big reveal that like 
Woody Harrelson's going to play Carnage. And mm, um, sure. I think that's a much bigger reveal than the 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 name of the title of Venom because it's like when I saw that and was like, oh, well, yeah, okay, yeah, and I'd be, I would be a little bit more confused if it, or disappointed if it wasn't didn't have Carnage in the name or something. Sure, but, sure. But disappointed is a a big word when it comes to the movie Venom. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so far, I hit the bar high with the disappointment. One last thing I wanted to talk about that's coming sooner or later is uh, this show called Brave New World, which looks like a bad Westworld ripoff and mm. friendly, happy city in the sky, people wearing white and then taking funny pills and then the dark dystopian world of the real people. Whatever, it looks awful. Um, and it's coming sometime in 2020 and that's all we know. But it's the first thing that I've seen that is being promoted as coming to Peacock, which is uh, NBC's. <gasps> you didn't uh, see the trailer for Saved by the Bell? <laughs> no, there was a trailer for it. No. Yeah, but oh, what? what this must have been Bra- forever. Brave ago. New I World that. first. Let's talk about Brave New World first. In that, uh, this also stars Young Han Solo. Um, oh. And you're right, bud. Like the, one of the first shots uh, where they they show kind of the setting looks like Charlotte Hale's office setting. Um, yes. In uh, in Westworld. Uh, yes. And, yeah, and it was it was weird. It threw me off for a sec, and then they kind of went to this other thing that was obviously a green screen green screen backdrop and it was like oh and yeah the same thing with them eating stuff which is a is a non-spoilery parallel to something in Westworld this season yeah um so yes it seems so strange it's yeah part of it feels like a Westworld ripoff and then it goes to other these other scenes where it's like oh this is not HBO budget i see no <laughs> good call <laughs> so but is yes that- um there's a say by the bell uh <laughs> I totally missed that. Yeah. I'll have to search that out. It's a reboot, Brian. Is that right? Yeah. So it's it's it. it uh, I guess it stars like the only like actual star that's fully back. I guess is Mario Lopez. Oh, um, but they also show Elizabeth uh, Elizabeth Berkeley there, and she has I don't know. She has a kid in the school, but Mario Lopez, AC Slater, is the gym teacher. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of other people are coming back. I don't know about Screech because of his whole thing. In the cast list, like, and now, okay, now keep in mind, I've never watched the show. So in the cast list, John Michael Higgins, Jesse Tota, Dexter Darden, Mitchell Hoog, nobody's saying A lot of these guys are, are like people. probably the, the younger, like the new class of Bayside High or whatever. Yeah. Um, there is this one. So for people that have watched Say by the Bell, there is this one thing, I guess, like uh, these two kids are fighting over a girl and uh, Slater as the teacher slash mentor or whatever. He has them in the office and just trying to tell them, you know, back in the day, I used to fight over this, you know, this one girl with uh, my, with my best friend. We, you know, that was the thing that we fought over. And he's like, actually, it's your dad. And your mom. So he's talking to like the kid of like Zach and Kelly. And then he was like, but you know, I, yeah, I just gave up on that and started hooking up with this other chick. And then he looks at the oh. other guy and is like, actually, that's your mom. <laughs> oh my God. So it's going to be great, obviously. Oh, geez. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Oh, the peacock. But yeah. Mark Paul Gosler will uh, be re- a recurring role as Zach Morris. Zach Morris the as the governor of California. That's his actual. That's right. Yes. Role. Yeah. Right. Uh, Tiffany. Oh, oh, it's listed in Wikipedia here as Tiffany Thiessen. Did you drop the Amber? Well, yeah, I guess. Tiffany, formerly Amber Thiessen, is back as Kelly Kapowski, and um, 
Juan, and Alonso I'm, is Max. Was that a character? Mm, oh yeah, he's the the owner of the restaurant. The Max. The Max. Clever. I'm also still madly in love with Tiffany Thiessen, by the way. Oh yeah. Yeah, she's. Hey, uh, you have a Bayside Tigers hat, don't you? Like this series I was do. big for you, wasn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it was cool. like an after-school thing. Um, nice. But Tiffany Thiessen was on this Netflix show. This sit- it was like this sitcom that's. It's really for like, cause like it's it's the one one show that me and my eleven uh, year old niece bond over, uh, and it's on Netflix. It's one of those like kind of teeny bopper sitcoms called Alexa and Katie, and uh, I've been watching it because like the mom's played by Tiffany Amber Thiessen, and uh. I was like, wow. <laughs> say, say it, say it like, say it like Art says, Adarmus. Tiffany Amber Thiessen, and her <laughs> character <laughs> is married to a Filipino guy, so it's just that takes me more into oh, it. Jeez. <laughs> It's all just coming together for you, Brian. Yeah. Brian's every fantasy coming true. Speaking yeah. of Tiffany Amber Thiessen, or whatever her name is, she she's done like <laughs> multiple her name is. She's she's done multiple uh, interviews on Howard Stern. They're really good. And I know she's like the object of a lot of like Brian. Mm-hmm. Huh? Yeah, so anyways, uh they're really good. I I'm not sure if they're still on YouTube, but um he does great interviews with her if you're looking for something there, Brian. Mm. Looking for something. <laughs> you know I'm married, right, Art? <laughs> anyway. It's a pandemic, and we're looking for content, right? Content, eh? <laughs> okay, we've got content. Let's move the frick on from this. Can I just okay. mention something about childhood crushes from Hollywood? So, yeah, I, Tiffany Amber Thiessen was one. Dana mm-hmm. Ma- Danica McKellar, who played... Um, uh, there was this... this the. Uh, the uh, the neighborhood girl Doogie from Hauser? Uh, the Wonder Years. Oh, Wonder Years. Uh, what's her name? Winnie Cooper. Oh Winnie Cooper. yeah, yeah. I follow all those people on uh, on Instagram. Sarah Michelle <laughs> Gellar, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Sure. Oh man. Of so I'm I'm a faithful I'm a faithful high school creep. <laughs> there on you brand. go. There That's you go. Great. Own it, man. Embrace it. I love it. Okay, the fourth Matrix film is uh, being shot in San Francisco, and there's this person on TikTok who has gathered a good bunch of footage from the sidelines, I guess, behind the barriers, where you're, you can sort of peek down the block and see what's happening. There are uh, a couple clips uh, that we'll link to in the show notes, but the main one, the first one that... Uh, Brian, did you find this? Yes. Well, I found um, it scrolling through TikTok. Thank you, TikTok. There you go, scrolling through TikTok. Uh, some footage of, man, there's two helicopters and explosions and police lights, and it looks intense. Um, there's other clips that I found from her where there's a, it's a car chase. A car chase? Car chase. A car chase. So um, one of those, I don't know, like the new fancy Land Rovers or whatever, rounds a corner, and then two people on a motorcycle, and you can hear people say, oh, that's them. And then there's a couple scenes where there there is an inordinate amount of people running, uh, like all in the same direction, like the, but like an, like an inordinate amount of people, which almost makes me think of the Smiths or some sort of mind control thing. I don't know. Sometimes they're running down the street. Sometimes they're jumping on cars. Um, but it's it's been really neat to see a little bit of this behind the scenes footage. I think we only saw the one before this of people jumping off a skyscraper, which was so cool. And this Christina got to meet Keanu Reeves, which was also cool. We got into a very uh, um, detailed discussion about the uh, the two helicopters one, in that like 
it made me think like because seeing that tiktok video there's two helicopters floating in very close proximity with each other really and close. i started thinking he's like wow are is this part of the scene or is one of the helicopters act like you doing any actual camera work because i started thinking uh. like because that would be very very dangerous if you know yeah. if it was just for camera work having two helicopters flying in between buildings that close in proximity and so i started thinking well why don't they use a drone yeah like that's what westworld has done for a lot of this exactly stuff. exactly and then i started thinking it was like well what if they're actually filming this in IMAX? So maybe that gives a little bit more perspective to it. So it's, mm. it's, I don't know, it's very interesting to see those. Yeah, there's a lot of options with filming. You can use a, a crane, a jib, or, you know, uh, uh, string it up on pulleys almost. But yes, a drone, a uh, tower car. But yeah, a full-size helicopter does seem a little excessive, especially when you put two in such close proximity. Uh, but again, it might be the compression of the lens in the phone that she was using. Maybe I don't know. I am very curious though, and that was a good that was a good discussion. Because you did mention that, like, well, yeah, they could have easily used uh, like a crane or a jib. But then it's like I remember in like the Matrix when they show sort of like Keanu Reeves, like Neo flying up in the air. They'll go from the ground in between buildings to all the way up in the sky. And what if it's yeah, like, you need maybe something this, flying for that. Yeah. Maybe this didn't get captured in the tip TikTok. but what if they have like IMAX cameras mounted on one of those helicopters and they're going to do this zooming shot where it goes all the way up into the sky or something. That would be rad. in IMAX. Hmm. It's super cool. I'm hoping Wait. that it's to, um, go Paul, go. Oh, no, did we lose Paul? Paul Plastino, check in. He's doing like that, uh, you know, when we were out alive, and he's uh, he's frozen in time with his. Oh yeah, he's frozen. Yeah. <laughs> and Kirsten, are you still like typing on a manual typewriter over there? Like, yeah, this hasn't seemed to have stopped. I'm still hearing clunk. clunk I thought you were throwing clunk, a ball clunk. to the wall. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are really boring. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what I was going to say about uh, the new Matrix was like because the old Matrixes were. You know, ahead of their time with CGI and everything that they did, action sequences, uh, they have to like one up themselves here, right? With the new, with new CGI being so good and everything, uh, you know, may maybe maybe that's what uh, you're seeing there on the TikTok, Brian, that they're like really trying to, you know, do some serious cool stunts. Yeah, they're trying to reinvent something. Paul just came back. What uh, you were in mid speech. Yeah, sorry, I, my iPad must have heard me say I'm considering buying a new iPad and was just like, I'll die a bunch and that will help you. To, <laughs> you should do that. Um, no, I, uh, okay, so I was going to say that, uh, yeah, it's very interesting and, and like you guys are saying, it's likely that, you know, depending on the camera, they're using the other camera for filming. But what I would love, and maybe this was the point that Art was making as well, but like it would be sweet if it was, in the movie double helicopter action because helicopter action still to this day i am not tired of it is some of the sweetest best action there is on screen going back to uh remember when we all recently rewatched terminator 2 when the new terminator was coming out and there was just that sweet chase scene with a helicopter that was all done practically and it was so rad and remember i was like i want more practical helicopter shit in movies and Maybe that's what this is. And maybe they're doubling down on the sweet helicopter action by literally having double the helicopters. Yeah, and isn't the first, like, real seminal moment in the first Matrix involving a helicopter yes. 
where Neo yeah, is like, true too. She is, he is the one or whatever. He has that line. That's right. So that'd be cool. That'd be yeah. cool. Good tie-in. I love it. Tom Holland is hosting a Marvel-themed charity pub quiz in aid of the Brothers Trust, which is set up by Tom Holland's family. And again, that is happening Wednesday at oh at noon. So maybe maybe after the fact. After yeah, maybe it already happened. If you were listening to this, not the minute that it came out. If it came out, this came out (laughs) at 11 a.m. tomorrow. Because we know you do that. You just wait for the podcast. You just reload, reload, reload. Yeah. Uh, did you guys see Tom Holland's interview on Jimmy Kimmel last week? No. And he was talking. He was talking about this. And uh, what I mean, the interview was fine and everything, but uh, it, where he was like living, he's like in this huge house, and he's there with like four of his best mates, and they're just like having a grand old time. It was pretty funny. That's pretty handy if that's the agreement you made at the beginning of the thing, and then you all socially isolate together, and then at least you got friends, I guess. Yeah, yeah no, it's just like, here's a grown man, you know, who's one of the biggest movie actors in the world right now, and uh, he's self-isolating with four of his best friends, just having a frat party. <laughs> oh, what el- you know, honestly, what else is he going to do? He's not, not, not working, so that's pretty solid, actually. No, that's cool, because they were like part of the Jimmy Kimmel interview as well, and yeah, it was, it was interesting. Buddies. That's sweet. Tom Holland and Tom Holland's housemates. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. So, how does this work, Kirsten? Have you looked into this um, in terms of how it's it's actually going to work with the the as our stuff? resident quiz master? <laughs> well, as far as I can tell, because they said um, so, I posted it up on our uh, Geek Out Podcast Facebook group. By the way, so if anyone's listening to this and being like, "What's the point of you telling me this now that it's over?" You should join our Facebook group because I uh, and our page because I posted it there and you would have known about it. Um, but when I posted it up there, they said more details to follow. And I don't know if they've followed up with any details yet. Hmm. But as far as I know, you just log in at noon. Like it, There's no money involved. They, they are raising money. You can throw them some donations. Um, but uh, you just log in, and I think Tom Holland is going to be the quiz master. Um, That's yeah, so it cool. still says I'm just checking right now. That was me vamping while I was checking. Um, <laughs> it it still says details to follow. So, um, also, also, what he said in that interview was, yeah, he talked about being the quiz master and how he was like practicing to do that. And I guess one of the things was his problems was knowing the answer to the question. He was uh, quite often he didn't know the answer to the question that he was asking. So it was kind of oh, funny. Really? Yeah, okay. Yeah, it was funny. Interesting. That way. Yeah, and lots of people like Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Hemsworth were calling him out for that. So it was it was funny. I don't know. That must be tough to be uh, a quiz master and not necessarily know what your uh, what your subject matter is. <laughs> Do you think? Yeah, I think that would be because I think it, especially, you know, because a lot of quiz masters are also like comedians and whatnot. And if you know the subject matter, you can make more little jibs and jabs and jokes uh, about it. But otherwise, you're just reading, you know, the paper that's in front of you without any sort of context. Oh, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, it is interesting because I was thinking of the greatest quiz master of all, Alex Trebek. Mm-hmm. He mostly just reads the thing. And I know that he like, you know, reads them in advance and does all this research to make sure that he has all the pronunciations and everything correct and that he just rattles them off as if he is knows everything. Um, but then sometimes he does make little jibs, like very quickly little jibs and jabs on Jeopardy. And it's like, 
Holy shit, how does he know so much about ancient Mesopotamia? He's got an earpiece in. He's got to have an earpiece in and someone's feeding him some stuff. Oh, you don't think it's because he's, he's done this for decades? I mean, it's probably a little bit of that, but it's also probably a lot of an earpiece. Yeah, you're probably yeah, right. That's interesting. Yeah, my, yeah, it might be that. I just I have the feeling that he's absorbed every question and answer he's ever <laughs> said ever. and talked about. Yeah. My favorite Alex Trebek moments are when he's a dick to the contestants. It's great. <laughs> Hashtag Alex Trebek is a dick. Uh, give me an example, Art. Well, there's there was there's some famous ones. If you go on, you know, YouTube, you can find them. Like sports questions, some easy sports questions that some of these nerds just—they know nothing about <laughs> whoa, sports falls, whoa. right? They know nothing about sports falls, and he like the answer is like Wayne Gretzky, like really easy easy sports question he'll he'll throw a little jab in there he'll be like hockey not basketball hockey <laughs> it's 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 funny it's funny stuff it, it would funny. be an honor to be chirped by alex trebek honestly. exactly that too there's, there's that one i saw recently where some girl was talking about setting up a dating service for people who like can't meet anybody because they're too big of nerds and then he called them dorks or something like that too like yeah he's pretty Aww, ruthless. Wow. Yeah. cold all right, let's talk about this Back to the Future plot hole that was closed by one of the screenwriters. It's so funny how stuff just sort of resurgences because of the internet and mostly Twitter. And yeah, people were talking about how his, um, how Marty McFly's parents would not have recognized him as he grew into the man that he became, well, young man that he became, uh, to which then set up his parents. Spoilers if you've been under a rock for 30 years. And, and yeah, he made some solid logical points about how his parents, no, would not necessarily have remembered this kid that they barely saw X amount of years ago. Yeah. I mean, who legitimately thought this was a plot hole? Right? Dumbasses. Thank you, like, This is not fuck? a plot hole. No. Well, it started as kind of a, well, just recently it started as a bit of a Twitter um, conversation between James Gunn and Chris Pratt. Right. Uh, because James Gunn was talking about like um, perfect, perfect movies. movies and how you know there you know, rarely we would ever call a movie perfect and then he brought brought it back to you know back to the future it could be considered a perfect movie except for one of these plot holes where how come they don't remember who Marty McFly or like what Marty McFly looks like So James Gunn was the idiot Yes. Stupid. Yeah. <laughs> We're trusting him with our future movies? But yeah, no. but then it, it caused one of the screenwriters. So like it, then it caused um, Chris Pratt to to try to explain it to him on, like a, on a Genius. Twitter reply. Genius, great, yeah. And then uh, one of the screenwriters <laughs> actually then, yeah, came, came back. And then he said, bear in mind that George and Lorraine only knew Marty slash Calvin for eight days when they were 17. They did, didn't see him... Uh, uh, they did not even see him every one of those eight days. So many years later, they still might remember that interesting kid who got them together on their first date. But, you know, I would ask anyone to think back on their own high school days and ask themselves how that well they would remember a kid who might have been at their school for even a semester. Yeah. Right. I don't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. It's very yeah. true. Like. And this also is coming from a place of this is a plot hole in James Gunn's brain where he's thinking of like right now where we all have everyone we went to high school with on Facebook. And if you're curious or you remember them for 10 seconds and everyone has back. cameras now, it, you know, right? what I mean? like 
Yeah, and you was, if I'm Lorraine McFly and I'm like, wow, I think our son Marty is looking a lot like that guy who got us together. She would go on Facebook and look him up, Calvin Klein, and be like, oh my God, it's the exact same fucking guy I went to high school with for eight days. But it's very true what that screenwriter said. It's just like, without the use of a Facebook or social media, I could not remember, barely remember the faces of anyone that I went to high school with, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. including girlfriends or anything. <laughs> okay, so... What? This is not wow. a plot hole. Paul, you ignorant slut. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's, I'm sorry. It's true. You're moving along, moving on with your life. You know, your brain only has so much room for stuff. Like that time I took that home winemaking course and I forgot how to drive. <laughs> what? Oh, my God. Were you uh, abused a, in high school or something? That's there? a Simpsons joke. And then, I was I assumed it was. Yeah, and then Marge goes, "You didn't forget how to drive. You were drunk." It's a great joke, but yeah. there is a real <laughs> solid gold kernel of truth to that. It's just like how much room is in your brain for remembering every dumb idiot you had one semester of high school with? Yeah, okay, but no. speaking of plot holes, did you guys hear about the other big plot hole that was not fixed? No, this week? do tell. Uh, apparently some kid was watching Star Wars for the first time and then like turned to their mom and was like, hey, mom, how come if R2-D2 knew that Darth Vader was um, Anakin Skywalker, why didn't R2-D2 like fucking say anything? Like, what an asshole. The kid probably didn't say asshole. I added that. And then the mom huh. tweeted it and then Mark Hamill <laughs> sent a message back and was like, I looked at this tweet and I thought about it and I thought of how to answer it and the answer is there's no answer <laughs> oh, <laughs> so it's just wow. a plot hole it just i think it's just because r2d2 is a little mischievous little droid and he was like he didn't want to get involved in the the politics of humans because <laughs> well, then, then like there is a scene uh in revenge of the sith about wiping this droid's memory but they're only referring to c3po in that yeah uh, yeah so r2d2's memory wasn't wiped no <laughs> But so he he just knows the entire time. Like, hang on though, does he? Why would R two D two know about that? What? Because he hung out in the in the prequels. Yeah, no, He's I there. know. It's and C three PO was built by Anakin, right? So they yeah. hung out. So obviously, I'm assuming at some point, C three PO was like, "Oh, my master," right? To Anakin and yeah. R two was there. No, I know. It's it's wild. It's so silly. But like, yeah, R2-D2 is Anakin's droid like all through mm-hmm. much of the prequel. I get that. But he's not around when Obi-Wan cuts off his arms and legs or even when Anakin like... Pledges. But he's around when Luke and Leia are born. He's there. Yeah, but that's that, that's not the question here. It's is whether or not R2-D2 knows that Anakin is Darth Vader. And uh, it's very likely that... You know, he wasn't around and that Darth Vader would have kept his previous life and previous name totally secret, wouldn't he? No, no, no. I think that he would have known, though, because like in that scene where Luke and Leia are being born, they're hiding Luke and Leia because they want to hide them from Anakin. And I, yeah, I guess maybe they don't know he's Darth Vader at that point. Yeah, like one could make. I think we found our answer, though, because it's like Darth Vader, if if. If R2-D2 had some sort of facial recognition software, he wouldn't be able to recognize him because he has a fucking mask on. Yeah, exactly. And if it was common knowledge, you know, to everyone in the galaxy, then Luke would have been like, huh, I wonder if I'm 
related. My last name is Skywalker, and so is the previous name of that evil despot. I wonder if we're related. Oh, well, back to my blue milk. Like, <laughs> no, I don't I don't think that's a plot hole. I really don't. I go back and watch, but, like, why, why would R2-D2 know that Anakin Skywalker is Darth Vader? I don't know. I don't, I don't think that's a plot hole. I guess. This is good discussion. I think we yeah. answered it. Oh, take that, yeah. Mark Hamill. Take <laughs> that, Mark Hamill. Watch your own movies. Maybe he hasn't seen the prequels, and I don't blame him for that. <laughs> <laughs> but really, like, I, I think that checks out. I think that, like, R2 wouldn't know. He would just assume that Anakin Skywalker was dead. I think that would, that's the, like, that's the party line. Anakin Skywalker is dead. But then why would they hide Luke and Leia? From the Emperor. But the Emperor is dead. Well, aren't all the Je- no. aren't aren't all the Jedi's like hiding at that point? It doesn't yeah, matter so. what Jedi yeah, they yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, they. I think that it's even a, a line of dialogue in Return of the Jedi. Obi Wan says to Luke, "Like we hid you, the twins, from the Emperor." They didn't even they they all didn't know that because would they know. have been executed under Order sixty six or something? Oh, I think from that point on, the Emperor would have perceived them as a threat. I think that's another line of dialogue, that uh, if Anakin Skywalker were to have offspring, they would be a threat to the Emperor. That's the whole thing. And the Emperor is the only one who knows that Darth Vader is Anakin Skywalker and that, you know, there would have been babies. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that, once again, these are people really stretching to find plot holes where there aren't none. Yes. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess that because Obi-Wan would have thought that he killed Anakin, right? Yeah, or... Yeah. When he left him on Mustafar. Well, whether or not he knew that or that he had been turned into Darth Vader, I don't know. That's that's a little bit more of a mystery, I think. Mm. Because it does seem that like once Luke then talks to Obi-Wan and he's a ghost and he's like, he seems to know that he had lied knowingly. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, because we also, from- and until we have an Obi-Wan show, we still don't know what happened to Obi-Wan in between episodes three and four. I feel like the Clone Wars might like add like the the last season of the Clone Wars we might get like a little taste on why Obi-Wan ends up on Tatooine. But I don't know. Oh that's just a guess. Also, yeah, that is very true. But also, yeah, even in A New Hope when they're fighting each other you know, like uh, Obi-Wan knows who Darth Vader is and and remembers him as his old uh, student, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is, the, that was that's one plot hole I'll give you right there. It always bothers me when um, Obi-Wan goes, uh, or, or Darth Vader goes, uh, you know, I, when I left you, I was a pupil, now I'm the master. And then Obi-Wan goes, only a master of evil, Darth, as in, as if Darth is his first name and not his title. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Good call. That's but a plot it, hole. But as, as far as uh, Obi Wan is concerned, Anakin died, right? Maybe that's why he just called him Darth. Hmm. <sighs> yep, we figured out. There's no plot hole. We figured it out. Yeah. Okay. There, there are perfect movies, <laughs> except going back to Back to the Future. The only thing about that one scene when uh, Marty leaves them is that uh, Lorraine goes, Marty. That's a nice name <laughs> for your third child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Okay, we have a whole bunch of Star Wars stuff coming up, but let's quickly go to uh, who the Hulk would have seen in the Soul Stone, courtesy of an Avengers Endgame writer. Throwing it to Brian. 
Oh yeah, so this was actually a written scene because like everybody who snapped the gauntlet um, well, technically, everybody who snapped the gauntlet got to go to their own sort of oasis. In Tony Stark's case, this was a deleted scene, and that's right. why we didn't see Catherine Langford, the 13 Reasons Why actress, uh, mm-hmm. actually in Endgame. She played, like, the grown-up version of Morgan Stark. Um, so there was a written scene of the Hulk snapping the gauntlet and then being taken to sort of an oasis where he gets to talk to somebody. And in that written scene, it's... Um, Mark Ruffalo, or it's Bruce Banner, talking to a very stubborn, trying to talk to a very stubborn Hulk, like kind of gorilla-ish Hulk. Um, I love this. So they they kind of wrote that, and then I guess they scrapped it. They didn't even shoot it. Hmm. But I think that would have been perfect because if if they were able to, in those moments in the Soul Stone, or sorry, Soul World. Um, if they were able to begin to come to an understanding, that would have been a great lead-in to where we end up with Smart Hulk. Yeah, and I think too, like, because it does, all it's all of a sudden you end up with Smart Hulk or Smart Hulk in Endgame. Um, but like, because if you take a look at the Hulk's arc in the MCU, I think this is one of the more brilliant arcs within the MCU, aside from the whole falling in love with Black Widow thing. Um, but if you were to take a look at his his arc in this and see and even just those lines about like how you know the you know the radiation from these stones are mostly gamma this is it's like i was made to do this um that would be a kind of a, of an interesting thing where he snaps it and and then he's kind of having a conversation with between his two personalities you know kind of coming to terms with who he is now um yeah. i just think they probably just had a lot of movie and uh they needed to take that that out because it stretched it way too much um but it is like somebody cut together did like a super cut of every single avenger and if you haven't seen it you should definitely um try to watch it and especially watch the one about bruce banner because they they have like early on conversations that i'm even just seeing now in my rewatch of mcu movies uh, like conversations that go all the way back to um, Avengers one between Tony Stark and Bruce Banner and them talking Whoa. about like, you know, well, you, you get a suit of armor. It's like, I don't, I have, it's like I'm exposed and it's like a nerve and stuff. And, uh, they talk about like Tony's kind of trying to give him a pep talk about like how, you know, maybe he was meant for something more and then we'll just have to find out. Right. And that was like, that was seated all the way in Avengers one, like almost yeah. eight Whoa. years before. So. I, I still so cool. I still wish Hulk got his moment to like really fight Thanos though. I I think like a Hulk out moment. When I go back and watch Avengers Endgame, that's that's one thing that was really missing, I thought. From He that would have movie. been a little bit disadvantaged though cuz he had a messed up arm from yeah, the snap. I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I agree. I didn't I wasn't dying for that because we had already seen Thanos and the Hulk fight each other and even though it's like it's brutal and the Hulk loses, that to me is such a satisfying um, fight scene, you know, you, well, that's, you get between these two characters, and it goes again. You know, when you're playing these movies out, and if they're, you don't want to make them feel bloated, but you want to give each hero their moment to fight against this guy, you kind of get it. But they only get one each. Yeah, well, I just think that Hulk should have had a Hulk out moment, really, and that's like in the comic books, he's like the most one of the most powerful Avengers, maybe the most powerful powerful Avenger, because the the madder he gets, the more powerful he gets. And we just didn't get to see that in Endgame, unfortunately. 
Um, I wanted to ask you guys if you guys got to see any of the commentary from the Russo brothers and the screenwriters, McFeely and uh, the other guy, I can't remember his name. About uh, didn't have a chance. Yeah, because no. it's the one year anniversary of Endgame, right? So they uh, they did a, a watch party for it, and you know they were throwing out answering people's questions and stuff like that. It's uh, it's fun. They live tweeted as well. It's on their Instagram live. If uh, anybody wants to check that out, there's there's lots of good commentary on yeah. uh, Endgame and everything. That's where the Hulk cool, thing actually uh, actually came from too. Is from it was Marcus McFeely that was talking about that how they wrote that scene for him. Yeah. yeah, it is interesting because when you think about the scene with Thanos, I guess that's the only one we really did see in a movie is when Thanos goes to Soul World and sees baby Gamora, right? Yeah. Soul World. Um, that's a nice one. And and I get like, oh, you know, we want to show consistency and have a scene where this happens to everyone who snaps. But I sure am glad that they cut these scenes. As much as it would have been neat to see the Bruce and the Hulk talk to each other, I guess, you know, if they are meant to be two distinct people living in one body type of thing, that would be who they are closest to. That kind of makes narrative sense. I like that Tony wanted to talk to his daughter. But it's so true. It's like if you're going to stop the movie down two times, you know, or even one more time to uh, have that little scene, for whatever reason, it worked for Thanos in affinity war and it didn't work and i'm glad that they cut it um it wouldn't have worked for endgame i don't think mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it's a heck of a movie to begin with and and yeah. yeah just i think that's just one of those decisions you make St- some stuff has to go and that was one of them yeah one interesting uh kind of i don't know if you call it easter egg but the uh the russo said that in an early draft that they had uh captain america steve rogers as the soul stone so what? that was that was pretty interesting. What? They scrapped it pretty early. They said, but that was like Whoa. one of the one one of the first drafts they did. Yeah, it was a they, theory what? too. What does he do to the Soul Stone? Say that again. He is no, the, the Soul he, Stone. He was the Soul Stone. Yeah, um, that was a theory as well because uh, uh, when the first trailer came out mm-hmm. and you see that scene of that beautiful bearded cap art uh, mm-hmm. and stopping the <laughs> stopping Thanos's gauntlet, like he catches Thanos's hands and is pushing back. Uh, right. His Steve's eyes are like they look like they're very, very kind of hazel goldish, almost mm-hmm. like yeah, and it almost looks like maybe there was something in him or whatever. Yeah. I always thought the soul That's stone was crazy. in uh, was in Heimdall because he could see the souls of everybody in the in the universe. Oh, but. interesting. Yeah. That's a little hot and horny for Captain America. That thread. <laughs> if they were gone for that, it's like okay, who like did Art sneak into the room and write this? Like that's a bit much. Not that there's oh. anything wrong with that, Paul. Okay, jeez, not at all. Okay. Well, We're moving on to a crap ton of Star Wars news. The timeline for the Star Wars Rogue One TV show has been confirmed. Five years before Rogue One, centering on Cassian Andor. That's all we know. Thoughts? Yeah, sure. Why not? Who? More Star Wars. Cassian Andor. Centering on who? Oh, what, Paul? Just quit being a Paul. I'm kind of with you on Uh, this, Paul. Who? Anyone, including Kirsten... Um, recite back to me a very memorable line from the ultra-memorable character of Cassian Andor from the super great movie Rogue One. You didn't like Rogue One? Rogue One was so good. What are you I remember about? him saying that. <laughs> 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 uh, 
He's not a good character. There's nothing interesting about him. Um, maybe they have some ideas to make him interesting in a TV show, but I doubt it. Again, like anyone, anyone is, cool is he the is he the is that the character that was played by Diego Luna? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gabriel Luna. I think that's all no. I can remember. Diego Luna. No. Gabriel Luna Diego. is uh, Gabriel right. Luna is the Terminator. Terminator. Right. I always get those two confused. Just like Tom Brady and Tom Hardy. Stupid. <laughs> One racist. <laughs> wait wait what um okay more star wars news um yeah this thing about the first rebel alliance from the clone wars like okay, well are we gonna talk Kirsten. about the clone the final episode of the last clone wars series like because this this is obviously tied right into that right hello everyone this is a spoiler alert thank you star wars the clone wars reveals maul started the first rebel alliance darth maul did yeah, this is like, uh, the, you have to have seen the episode. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay. When did it happen? When did the episode come out? I thought it was On Friday. They come out that. every Friday. Yeah. So I guess only me and Kirsten watched it. Also, just FYI, the Friday, the penultimate episode comes out and the very last episode i thought that there was only three but there's uh one coming out on friday oh really and then the final episode is coming out on may the 4th oh so the monday oh yeah. okay my bad on that one okay yeah well we're so, gonna have lots more clone wars to talk about then i don't know if i've watched this episode then is it is it the one that ends with darth maul and he gets like tied up and taken away yeah. yes yeah Oh, and he says that Paul he starts the Rebel no Alliance attention. in there? Yeah, it's stupid. It's like, okay, so I, I guess we'll just talk about this. This oh. article I thought was really stupid, like, because he doesn't really, like, it's a little bit of a stretch to say he started the first Rebel Alliance based on this episode, but yeah. it is kind of an interesting take, like, because essentially in the episode, I guess a little bit of spoiler, spoilers, I don't know, um, Darth Maul, like, wants to go and take down the Emperor, right? right? Like, that, he reveals that he wants to take down the Emperor, he wants his revenge. So, I guess, technically, that's the first Rebel Alliance, is, is what this article is saying, which, oh. I mean, it's one way you could look at it, it's an interesting way to look at it, but it's not really, it's not like he was a, a you know, no, he was that's doing a it for good take. reasons. He was that's doing a, it for revenge reasons. Yeah, exactly. That's a bad take, I would say. The, yeah. There's a there's a neat deleted scene from Revenge of the Sith where it's like Mon Mothma and a bunch of you know it's like uh, Princess Leia's adopted father, Jimmy Smith's, whatever, and they're getting together and they're like talking about maybe this isn't so great. That's the infancy of the Rebel Alliance. Mm-hmm. For Darth Maul to be a rogue out in the world just wanting to kill this guy for revenge, that's not the Rebel Alliance. That's a really bad take. Yeah, I thought it was like kind of bordering on clickbait the way they said it. I mean, it's not wrong. Like He does want to take down the Emperor, but it's not for the same reasons as the Rebel Alliance gets together totally. Not at all. That is no. really stretching and grasping yeah. straws. Bad yeah. journalism. Who wrote that? Um, probably. What's that website that Brian hates? Oh, we, we got, got this covered. covered. <laughs> it's probably we got this covered, but I don't know. Cover well, your Paul, mouths, you stupids. <laughs> but what Paul, I let's move on. What I will say for that episode, though, like it does a good job of blurring lines between good and evil and where Star Wars is going. So mm-hmm. I will say that it was some clever writing there. Yeah, like it was, sorry, I guess we're just going to talk about the episode now. It was really interesting um, when it was revealed that Darth Maul, it, he didn't just want um, 
he didn't just want Obi-Wan to be there for revenge. He wanted Anakin to be there, too, because he'd seen Anakin's future. I thought that that was a really interesting twist. Totally. And I want to I wanna say that I, I don't know how you felt about the whole Darth Maul run in Clone Wars. I just, I, I feel like he, his character is better as just a mercenary, I think. I don't like mm-hmm. how he's, like, being... So a political? Pro- yeah, and a prophet, and it just, it, fe- it feels weird. And that's all it I want to say It does feel weird, him. and I, yeah. I'd have to uh, agree with Paul <laughs> on the, like, how he hates how when they just introduce characters just to, so you can be like, do you remember Darth Maul? <laughs> yes. um, yeah. And I kind of get that, but, like, I... I as a Star Wars fan, I'm, I was glad to see his character, uh, fleshed out a little bit more, but like, yeah, they've kind of really taken him to the brink now and like retconned his involvement so much so that like it, I don't know. It is a bit weird, but that's just where we've ended up now. That's where this, um, story has taken us. Like, I'm glad they didn't try to introduce a new character or anything like that. But yeah, I agree with Paul and I agree with what you just said too, Art. It's a great example and probably the most glaring one of like all of the flaws that come from anything that's prequel era and the fact that like Darth Maul was a character that was neat to look at but nothing going on, no reason to care about this villain and then he's killed before he can be interesting in any real way but because he looks kind of cool, you know, there's a lot of potential there, and so fans really did like him a lot and felt cheated that this sweet-looking character had two and a half lines and is killed in one movie. And so then you get the producers of this Clone Wars TV show being like, oh, okay, well, let's bring him back and let's flesh him out. And that, like, I can I can see why that's a good idea, but then to flesh him out, flesh him out, flesh him out just because he's a fan favorite and build him into something that maybe is beyond what the character requires or would organically give you is just again it's like oh my god we're just i feel like that that's just what star wars does though star wars introduces characters that people are like holy shit that character is so sick and uh, then they just kill them like you've, you've got darth maul you got phasma you have boba fett you have snoke like literally all these characters get introduced and they just get killed off it's just what star wars does yeah and you know what like because I guess it's because I'm uh, from the old school of the original trilogies. It's just like, okay, uh, Boba Fett is in kind of two movies. He gets he gets five six lines himself, and then he dies. That's Boba Fett. That's what you get. I don't need to have endless movies and endless trash heaped on me just because it looks like him. And it was the same with Darth Maul. I, you know, I remember being a kid and watching Episode One and being like. Yeah, Mark Darth Maul, fucking sweet, and then he dies. I'm like, yeah, moving on with my life. Yeah. I don't, I don't need t- two more TV shows and a movie and everything else more with this character, right? Mm-hmm. This is, but again, it's like that's what fandom demands these days, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And and again, if the best that these new producers can do with the Clone Wars is, I know, how about a general from the bad guy army that looks like a spider? Um, then I get why the temptation is there and is so real to why and to go back and and get villains, characters, whoever that fans do have a connection to for whatever reason. 
I mean, in the whole series of Clone Wars, like Darth Maul doesn't have that much of an impact. Like he's there, he's got a couple arcs that are interesting, but like this final season, he, they're definitely using him more. But I also thought it was interesting going back to that plot hole about R2D2. Um, they did a really good job of making sure there wasn't a plot hole, mm. um, in, in, uh, Clone Wars because Darth Maul essentially, he tells Ahsoka that he's seen a vision of, um, that Anakin is the new apprentice to the Emperor. And that would c- cause a huge plot hole because then Ahsoka would know that Anakin is Darth Vader this whole time. But the, pl- the way they fix it is, really quite good is that she just doesn't believe him she's like yeah so she's just like no there's no way like anakin would never do that anakin would never turn to the emperor what are you talking about he's not the new apprentice so i thought it was just kind of a really nice elegant way to not have that plot hole it's just like her being like fuck you darth maul you don't know what you're talking about i love that because that's completely feasible instead of waiting for the memory wipe yeah But then she also finds out on her own anyways in Rebels, right? Yep, yep. So, so and again, like, because Ahsoka doesn't have any bearing on the main narrative, like, throughout the entire, you know, original trilogy or any time, I guess, other than that, um, it's fine that she, even if she does have that seed of doubt in her head, even if she's out there throughout you know, whatever timeline, just knowing that Darth Vader is Anakin. It's just like, it doesn't really matter if she knows or has an idea about it because no one talks to or about her for ever again. I think they might fix that plot hole though at the end of the season. Like I think they're, I think we're going to see something of why maybe Ahsoka doesn't have more of an effect um, in the, in the original trilogy. You know what might be neat is to set it up that her and Obi-Wan like stay in contact and then if she's going to make a guest appearance on The Mandalorian, yep. she might also make one in uh, Obi-Wan or have a more central role. That'd be kind of neat. That's what I kind of thought was going to happen. I feel like something's going to happen with Luke and Leia and maybe Ahsoka having something to do with why Luke ends up on Tatooine or why um, Obi-Wan's on Tatooine. I don't know feel like something might happen there. We'll see on May the 4th. Okay, something else is happening on May the 4th is Disney Gallery, <laughs> The Mandalorian. This will be a documentary on the show. So I guess May the 4th is a Monday, and then subsequent episodes will air on Fridays. And the trailer that we saw for this show and that I will uh, link to in the show notes looks good. It's like a behind-the-scenes doc, bud. Yeah, and there's a roundtable with the... Uh, um, actors and um, producers and makers and behind-the-scenes people and so yeah it's, uh, it's a lot of behind-the-scenes footage and behind-the-scenes uh, interviews and whatnot and yeah just sort of showing the world from the other side and uh, I love it because there's more Baby Yoda clips in yeah that is you know you know Show what I really baby. hope <laughs> I really hope there's an entire discussion about the writing of the dialogue and the acting of the scene when these producers made Werner Herzog say the line, I would like to see the baby. Oh. <laughs> like, forcing that actor to say that line in that way is so hilarious to me, and that's all I really want from this show. Yes, yes. Hilarious. <laughs> there is a clip in the trailer where uh, they do talk about Werner Herzog uh, starting to direct the child. 
like addressing the puppet right uh in terms of what <laughs> what it should be doing next which is uh, hilarious well that part reminded me of like when kirsten actually brought up um the fact that you know Werner herzog was very adamant that uh baby yoda be like an animatronic puppet and not a cgi creature Mm-hmm. Um, because, and then I think there was a line in there that probably tells that story about like Werner Herzog being adamant that like, no, I, I want to, I want to be talking to an animatronic. Like what, what were you saying? How in, in your Werner Herzog impression, Kirsten, before do it, you cowards or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I just love how Werner Herzog had such a big impact on <laughs> Baby Yoda, like twenty, <laughs> like fuck, man. This this year, like, is just so wild. Like, just the things that are happening. It's great. If anybody can or should do it, it's him. That's hilarious. <laughs> Speaking of May the Fourth, the Disney Plus Twitter account said, "Celebrate the saga. Reply with your favorite hashtag Star Wars memory, and you may see it somewhere special on hashtag May the Fourth." Their follow-up tweet says, By sharing your message with us using the May 4th hashtag, you agree to the use of our message and your account name in all media and our terms of use at DisneyTermsOfUse.com. Did they get burned or something here using someone's hashtag or something? That's why they had to put a disclaimer in like this? That's a good question. I'm sure it's a legal butt covering to say that, but that's not how the internet works. If you use a hashtag, that is not your explicit agreement to Disney's terms of use that they have an entire website for. Yeah, you can't own a hashtag, and and, and you definitely can't own a hashtag that's just May the 4th, like a fucking date. Like One of the top tweet replies was like, so what, if I tweet about my birthday, you now own me in perpetuity, Disney? Like, what... What what are you talking about? There was an interesting thing a number of years ago where uh, the NFL uh, had this disclaimer that this telecast is copyrighted by the NFL for the private use of our audience. Any other use of this telecast or any pictures, descriptions, or accounts of the game without the NFL's consent is prohibited. Well, no, it absolutely does not work that way. I think Art is right, though. I think there must have they must have got burned by by using somebody something which doesn't make any sense to me like i feel like if you put something on the internet and it is public yeah expect for it to be used somewhere somehow like this is like a thing that that's happened in sports commentary a lot like uh when you're uh watching sports they'll use tweets that people have tweeted you know or you could talk more about this but you know what i mean like they're like oh so and so says this about this thing it's just a thing that happens on the internet so i don't know if some idiot was out there getting burned by disney and they're like i'm gonna sue disney now and that's why they did this but it's unfortunately like very poorly executed and i don't know what they were thinking yeah because in yeah. sports usually people are like live tweeting during the game and the broadcast will use like the twitter hashtag and they'll like put people's comments in and stuff like that so but this and that's why they kind of cover their butts try to i guess with that nfl network thing which is stupid uh but but uh, yeah i see i see no reason to go this far it's it's just funny there's fair use, so you can use you can use clips and talk about it for commentary or criticism. The media obviously has blanket uh, um, use of these things to talk about them. That's it's it's all perfectly legal, and the NFL would be laughed out of court for trying to uh, hold this up. As would I think uh, Disney. <laughs> you can't. You don't. You don't. You won't 
can't assume that we accept your terms of service uh, by using a hashtag. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, Paul, let's talk about this. Uh, a female-centric Star Wars show is in development at Disney Plus from Leslie Headland, who's the co-creator of Russian Doll. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you got it there, bud. You- <laughs> okay, fine then. I have, I have a tie-in then. Okay. Um, so Leslie Headland is a huge Star Wars fan, and there was a tweet of a video clip <laughs> used without copy. No, this is fair use uh, that I saw on someone's Twitter account, and it was just just her being such a great fan of Star Wars. And the text of the tweet was. We must protect her at all costs, which I thought was a great tweet. Hmm. I'm going to use this to segue into the person who tweeted this. Um, her name is Jessica. She goes by Jessa on Twitter. Her hashtag is directed by Ryan, as in uh, Ryan Johnson. And she put out a tweet that said, Guys, I tweeted my turnip prices. This is in uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons. And Elijah Wood just came to my island and hung out. I saw this happen as it was occurring on whatever day it was, and it must have been a Wednesday or Thursday because that's when turnip prices peak in Animal Crossing New Horizons. And yeah, so Elijah Woods saw the tweet of the 536 bell uh, turnip price, which is an amazing selling price, by the way, and he messages and says, would love your dodo code to sell these turnips. And her reply is, um... And her next reply is, of course you can. And then there are all sorts of clips of Elijah Wood <laughs> on his Nintendo Switch in this random person's uh, <laughs> island. Bless you. Paul, uh, thank you. I'm sorry. On this random person's island, complimenting the island, asking to pick flowers and everything. And just as he left, he typed into his Switch, and so his little character said, Long live Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson took the screenshot of that that was tweeted out, and that is his Twitter background now. So this this lady, Jessica, had a heck of a day on Twitter and Animal Crossing when Elijah Wood came to visit. I really don't know what just happened. <laughs> no, me either. <laughs> that was the most confusing. I'm, not, I'm like, I'm not, I guess maybe I just don't know enough about Animal Crossing and... I was like, oh, okay. Oh, Ryan Johnson's in this now. Okay, they're buying turnips? That's the game you're so obsessed with, bud? Is fucking buying and turnips? Brie Larson plays it. Elijah Wood plays it. Felicia Day plays it. They could buy turnips from you one day. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) If I get a good price, I'm tweeting it out, seeing what celebrities come to my island. All right, let's talk rumors and hearsay. Has the final Guardians of the Galaxy Easter egg been discovered? Oh, we are. You did put this on the cue sheet. Sure I did. I really just put it for reference just in case it came up organically because it's like, it's really... Oh, wasn't that organic? Well, no, it's just... I'm kidding. It's kind of a... It was a weird one, but um, like very, very detailed uh, theory from... Uh, a guy that runs kind of a one of those YouTube channels that explains like Easter eggs and all that kind of stuff, but it's a very detailed theory on Meredith Quill, uh, and I guess it uh, it's it's about Star Lord's mother for yeah, those who don't know. Yeah, Star Lord's mm-hmm. mom, and uh, I guess it came out uh, this weekend because uh, they did like you know the same thing like when you know doing an Avengers Endgame it was like a watch party for Guardians of the Galaxy and uh James Gunn was live tweeting it and um 
there were all these theories that were thrown about, all these questions. James Gunn actually even talked about like uh, a huge Easter egg that hasn't really been uncovered yet with regards to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, which had something to do with all of the skulls that were seen in like Ego's chamber when they were there. Uh, so there's apparently like the internet is kind of flooded with people trying to like rewatch that scene and figure out what the Easter egg is. Um, but there was this one really elaborate theory on, uh, who Meredith Quill, like, uh, Star-Lord's mother actually is like whether or not she's actually human or if she's like a celestial being. Um, oh. but there's this theory about her actually being one of the beings that, um, created the infinity stones and uh, he went into all this detail about why he thinks that had this huge you know long write-up about why he thinks that or maybe i think maybe even made a youtube video and james gunn retweeted it with a with a comment saying ha 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 great work so like <laughs> not necessarily confirming it but but acknowledging that this could be true and, you know, maybe that, like, I think the only thing that, that was with regards to this Looper clickbait article that I read that I didn't know was going to be on the cue sheet was just about, like, whether or not <laughs> this might come back as, you know, a plot point in Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is that uh, Peter Quill really isn't half human he's just like mm -hmm. he spent a lot of his life on earth but he is something else uh because meredith quill is is also something else and there's just all these different um you know clues that were laid into guardians of the galaxy one including like even that temple in morag there's um there's a shot there's a shot of like uh i guess artwork on the walls with lady death and eternity and all that kind of stuff um huh. so you, you like go go into that looper article if you want to get full full details but james gunn did acknowledge it that's neat but also i hate that <laughs> because that was the nice, neat thing about Star Lord. That was he was half that, human. Like, yeah, we all yeah. It connected him to it, us and made him a really likable and relatable protagonist. And having his dad be uh, like a celestial or a god or whatever he was, that's enough. Yeah. And, like that's cool. That gives him power and makes him interesting and makes him special and all that. But then the connection back to a human mother is what grounds him, and that's needed. I get, I totally get that. And, that, and that's where the Looper article goes into the skepticism in that, like, I don't think Marvel's going to try to play that card again in, like, the yeah. third one because it's just going to be repetitive and stupid. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, like, I agree with you in that, like, it does then take away a bit of your connection to Peter Quill because we all thought that he was human or that he was half human, at least. Um, I did like the the guy's explanation in terms of like trying to make him still a relatable character is this guy that when he was a little kid, he lost his mom. So he had developed this connection to music because that ended up becoming this 30 year conversation with his mom is yeah. through these, these mixtapes that she made. And you don't necessarily have to be human to, you know, have to, to be able to relate to that kind of thing i found that part of it beautiful i thought that was great yeah mm -hmm. but i agree like i don't think they're gonna play that card again no i should certainly hope not i don't know i, I yeah yeah it's like guardians of the galaxy the way it is 
is like a really great example of how to do a sci-fi movie that's totally wackadoo and out of this world in a way that makes sense for every audience. And Peter Quill and his, you know, even though he lives out in space and everything, but his connection back to Earth makes him a really relatable and a protagonist that actually works in the context of a movie. Mm-hmm. When you don't have that, when you just have a bunch of space aliens, it becomes a much harder sell. And it doesn't work for audiences. And and then you've got that, what was that movie that sucked that came out not too long ago? Um, oh, we're going to just start all rattling space. off movies. Yeah, it's like a space movie. I can't remember the name of it. I saw it in the theaters and it just was like... It just happened all in space and everyone was a space person and it just sucked. It just no one was a relatable human being and I didn't care about anybody in it and it sucked. Hmm. So uh, Guardians of the Galaxy having that element is a huge I think factor to its success and why it works. We are I believe at about 90 minutes. Shall we jump to reviews and recommendations? Let's. Yeah. Um who saw Extraction? Okay, where did the, wait stop? Where did this what? movie come from? Why did were you all of a sudden watching Extraction? I never heard of this. What? Okay, good, thank you. This was the questions that I didn't, I couldn't form in my head because yeah, it just seemed to come out of nowhere and suddenly everybody's like, watch Extraction. Yeah, <laughs> I did not watch Extraction. I shared it with a group because I saw that this was um, a movie that related to you know avengers and endgame and and everything because the the writers were the russo brothers the the people that wrote the script for this movie was the russo brothers um it's produced by chris hemsworth uh and then obviously starring chris hemsworth and then directed in like his directorial debut uh this guy was like the stunt and action coordinator for avengers um and for infinity war and endgame and uh, he was also Captain America's stunt double, so which is why this that was the thing that that made me share this with Art. Uh, and so, yeah, so I just I, that's that's the whole reason why I shared it with a group, and I was like, I'm gonna watch this uh, so I can review and recommend it. Do you guys want to watch it, or do you want to try one of those Netflix watch party things? And then I realized the Netflix watch party sucks, so I was like, let's not yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah, that spiraled. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. for those who watched it, how was it? I, you know what? I, I was entertained by it. It was like very, very, the, the plot is paper thin. You, you don't have to, <laughs> you, your brain does not have to be on to understand what's going on because it's just like classic dude that's got uh, some dealing with some sort of, you know, trauma in his life that then goes and takes a dangerous mission because it's a, you know, he thinks it's a suicide mission and then he uh, develops like, uh, a fondness for the person that he's, you know, trying supposed to protect that doesn't just become a job, it becomes his mission kind of thing. Oh boy. Um so there's that. Like you don't you you know, you can watch you can watch it without really having to think about anything because the plot is really just that. Um I lo- I love the action in it though. I was like, wow, for a guy that was like really just a stunt coordinator in previous movies and this is his directorial debut. This was like um Call of Duty kind of meets John Wick in that the action mm-hmm. was like really kind of go 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 and I thought it was it was really well done. Um overall, I I don't know like uh how 
it's going to be. I, I'm pretty sure I haven't looked at like the reviews for anything, but I'm sure it's probably middle of the road, like maybe about a 60, 70 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm trying to look it up right now. Um, 65 percent. See, yeah, exactly. Like right in the middle there. Um, yeah. Probably because there was nothing. There's really nothing to the story. They have a very ambiguous ending that I found out that they had like the Russos and the director had a completely different ending in mind, but they altered it as sort of a compromise because it was screened for test audiences who didn't like that ending. Um, so, so they what, altered. Can you say, Brian, what was that other ending? Well, it, it would be a big spoiler if, if, if you did. But I guess big spoiler in a paper-thin plot movie. I guess we can bring in Mary and you guys won't care or what? Hello, everyone. This is a spoiler alert. Thank you. I think they muted their mics because they don't care. Mm. I, I, <laughs> I mean, like, I might watch it, but... I, don't know. I did see this movie, Brian. Sorry, I just did the news and I ran back in here. Oh, yeah. Well done, Art. So did you, get, did you get my review of it? Uh, no, I missed the review. So Okay, so apologies. The, the gist of my review... Paper thin plot, good action. But uh, I, I was guessing it was about a sixty to seventy percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and it was like sixty five. Sixty five. So, yeah, it's in like the solid six range. Yeah, I, I concur with you there, Brian, and everybody on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, it was mindless action, but the action was good. The action was uh, great. Like, the, the fight sequences and, like, yeah. the shooting and everything. Like, and I had said, I think you missed this part, too, but it's like, it's like John Wick meets Call of Duty. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I could, I could go with that. I I just didn't understand the motivations of many of the characters. They just weren't flushed out. Um, I, but, you know, I watched this movie because obviously the Russos were involved. Chris Hemsworth, who I really like. It just, for, for character plot, it just wasn't there. So I think if anybody other than those people involved were trying to make this movie, it probably wouldn't get made, right? Because yeah. oh, the absolutely. director is not some huge director either. He was a stunt guy or something like that. Yeah, this is his oh. first direct, like this is his first job as a director. Yeah. Sounds like a big favor to him to help maybe get his directing career off the ground and, you know, yep. wish him luck and everything. Get one under his um, belt. Yeah, sixty-five percent to me is generous on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's you know that's all around the stunt work, which is good, and and some of the directing, which is good, and um, yeah. So Brian, it's interesting. The reason I ask you about like what the alternate ending was is just because one thing that I kind of liked about the ending is that it does wrap everything up into a neat little package which is very unlike what the Russos have done before, right? Where they try and lay a million threads to build out an entire universe or rather take threads and build them up even more. Right. Um, and, and so this one is the way it's wrapped up like that. I wonder what the, what the pressure was. Otherwise, was it to do a similar thing? Was it to, you know, this is one of the only movies I've seen in forever, especially an action movie where it's not completely setting up a sequel or even like, letting it open for a sequel it's like mm -hmm. nope everything is really tied up no sequels you didn't you didn't think the ending was a little ambiguous there paul no not kirsten at all and, kirsten and bud like do you want to uh, what do you want to do, do you care or no no, no i don't you, care you can... i just want to hear paul say now now okay <laughs> like, and it honestly it doesn't really have a huge huge effect but like so mary you can give us a spoiler alert but like so th the original ending is just 
you know, Chris Hemsworth's character, he does his job, the kid's kind of protected, and uh, but he, he dies. Um, ish. <laughs> ish. <laughs> so, because there's, there's a scene at the end where the kid jumps into the pool and he does the same thing where he's sitting at the bottom of the pool, kind of like Chris Hemsworth's character at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And then he comes up from the pool and you see in the distance, in the background, completely not focused on, is this guy standing there just watching him and is obviously like a tall white guy. Um, so did he die? Oh no! So this what is the thing, though. So originally, oh, fuck, the the right. script the script was written in that the Russos wanted him dead. They want they they wanted him to die. The uh, uh, the director Sam Hargrave he wanted him to die. They shot it like that where he died and that was it. And and because they're they're going over this guy's character arc like his story arc and you know he just that's his redemption was just saving this this kid and he saw that he did the job and he saw that the kid was safe so he allowed himself like well this bullet fucked me up so I'm going to die. So, right. you know, and um that and that was that. And the test audiences were not satisfied with that because it's like then Oh, but then the character doesn't have like a you know there's there's nothing there's no hope in that right so it, it felt it really felt like test audiences then kind of drove that that now to be the ending as sort of the compromise is like okay well we'll leave it open maybe he didn't die maybe or maybe he, but maybe he did maybe that's another just white guy just standing there or whatever it's um, an inception ending is what it is right pretty much it's like a, it's an up to your interpretation but then it does also then leave this open for like if this does well enough and gets you know enough streams or whatever it could very well leave it open to like sequel territory in that we never really knew what happened to the the fingerless kid and you know we uh, uh, there's there's the the guy the number two that um, guy that oh, also yeah. you know he he's kind of got out of this so he's weak weak the, all those characters were weak weak who yeah, cares yeah, yeah. So characters like, that's right but that's oh a, that's a, so that's the thing is, is like they <sighs> left some threads open you know that that guy's gonna live you know another day to throw more kids off roofs and stuff <laughs> uh, so yeah. <laughs> That's brutal. And you know what? The more I think of it, too, like there's a, a line that's very specifically in the movie. It's like three times you see, yeah, like you said, he jumps off the cliff into the river and then he sits at the bottom and then he comes back up. And then later a kid, the kid even says that dumb line about like, you don't drown by falling into the river. You drown by staying in it. It's like, yeah. that's so fucking dumb. What? But then, but then that's exactly the ambiguousness they're trying to set up okay here's okay do you know why ambiguous endings are not ambiguous and i'm thinking of yeah two examples inception is a great one and so is the ending of the sopranos and it because they end okay and so if this movie just ends and doesn't go on to spawn sequels which it absolutely shouldn't Hmm. then he dies that's the end of the movie inception Ends. There hasn't been Inception 2 where the dreams continue because that movie ends and that's the ending of that movie and you, that's how you take it. And The Sopranos, same thing. There's not a Sopranos sequel and a Sopranos movie because Tony is dead and that's the end of the story. So that just drives me nuts that 
test audiences. Test audiences are idiots. And bigger idiots are the studio producers who try and listen to them and make these directors and artists change what they want to do to placate them. I'm so upset about this. The movie, I'll say, the movie itself... I found pretty boring. It it does heat up at moments for sure. Takes twenty minutes to get going. Not good enough. Okay. Um, I like that it takes part in. Is it, it's India, right, Brian? Yep. Yeah. 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 So I like that. I like that international element to it, and that like, you know, just the the cityscape is very naturally chaotic, and I think that's a great place to set a movie and everything. But Hemsworth, I thought, like, what a waste of his time. Because we're used to Hemsworth either being, like, a super sweet action guy like Thor, where he really pulls that off, or he's pulling off, like, comedic, like, also Thor, but also in other movies that he's in. He's charming and likable, and in this movie, he's not any of those things. He just is a faceless trigger man. Um, I guess he has an emotional scene where he cries a bit or whatever, and that shows that he does have acting chops. But otherwise, it's like, I don't really care. The character's not memorable. Nothing's memorable. I don't know. I just was like, okay, that's two hours that I'll never get back. And it's kind of like, whatever. I, 65 is a fair enough um, score for it, but it's, again, it's generous. And. Um, I don't know. I, I the other thing too, two hours. I, they could have shaved a half an hour off of that for sure. I'm not so much in the vein of like, oh, that's two hours. I'll never get back because I like. I still like. I was entertained by the action sequences and stuff. Yeah. Um, I and I it it probably as a as an acting role, it was maybe a bit of a waste for Chris Hemsworth. But being the producer. My guess is that maybe they couldn't find anybody else. Uh, I think even Sam Hargrave said in an interview that he didn't originally have Chris Hemsworth in mind as the uh, as a protagonist. Um, I think he was thinking about somebody that would have looked a little bit more vulnerable and less Superman-y. Maybe somebody a bit smaller. Um, So I think yeah. So but but with Chris Hemsworth being the producer. He's probably just like, well, if you can't find anybody, I'm your guy, kind of thing. Right. Um, the That's the one value. thing, the one waste I found was like, it was really cool to see that David Harbour is in this movie. Yeah. Um, but I was like, oh, what a kind of a waste of a, a, a like of a an acting job for David Harbour because you know there, I'm sure there were better like he, they didn't really give him any really great great scenes or like he has that like kind of one moment of dialogue and that was basically it it was like oh so david harbour was in this for a bit great (laughs) you know well there you go thanks for that solid six though (laughs) solid six Um, do we have another recommendation are we done i think we we went through the clone wars right yeah i just i have uh, one that's not on the cue sheet real quick Oh, sure. Go for it. Um, I watched Fantasy Island. Um, I don't know if you guys remember when this was going to come out. It was oh, like the, the Bloom horror. House. Yeah, the Bloomhouse like, horror version of Fantasy Island. It gets such bad reviews on IMDb. It's at a 4.8 right now. It wasn't Oof. bad. I thought it, I thought it was very enjoyable, an hour and 40 minutes. Um, not like too Bloomhousey horror. Like you're not, I didn't think it was too creepy or spooky. Um, it, it was kind of like one of the, what Bloomhouse is doing more. I find like an adventure horror movie. Um, I don't know. I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a fun watch. Recommend. 
Cool. Um, I got two things really quickly. I'll just say quickly. Uh, the Michael Jordan documentary on the Chicago Bulls called The Last Dance. It's fantastic. It has everything. It's got celebrity, intrigue, mystery. Um, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. And um, I have also crushed this other show on Netflix. It's called Too Hot to Handle. Oh, my God. It's the trashiest show I think I've this ever... Is the, this is the one Paul recommended last week. Did you not no, last week's you, you were... No, I gone didn't. for last the bit of last week's pod. You must have had to go. He's gone do for actual and He work. obviously didn't listen to the pod too. Oh no, <laughs> I, I haven't. I'm sorry, I haven't gotten through the whole thing yet, so I missed that at the end. <laughs> Darn it! Uh, anyways, I watched it, and uh, it 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 serves as a great distraction right now. If you want to just like shut off your brain and just uh, laugh at people, this is this is what you should watch. Good to know. It is trash, and Jenny and I talk about it for like. T- 15 minutes on uh, this week's PJ Party Podcast right now. Oh, sweet. <laughs> if you want more about Too Hot to Handle, which I don't know why you would. <laughs> so, Kirsten, mm. today is Tuesday as we record this. One, two, three, four, five, six. So, uh, you have seven days to watch the eight episodes of Westworld because when we get to next week's episode, I'm going to explode with all the spoilers and plot points that I have been holding in for uh, eight weeks because I cannot wait to talk about this show. No, I got Star Wars stuff to do this weekend. No, you don't. Yes, I do. Kirsten, we're stuck at home. Watch the fucking show. I got Star Wars things to do. It's May the 4th. What things? I'm watching all the Star Wars. That's days from now. Yeah, I got lots, lots of Star Wars. <sighs> How very dare you? Do you know that my roommate started watching Game of Thrones on last Friday, and we are midway through season three. I can't sit in front of the TV. I'm not a TV watcher. I don't sit in front of the TVs for long periods. But of time. do like the math call. for me. Is it like one episode a day? For Westworld, for her to be caught up? Yeah. Uh, there's there's going to be eight episodes in seven days that you'll have to watch. So just over one episode. <sighs> That's a lot. Watch one <laughs> and an eighth episode per day. Yes. Eight hours. Things. I got other. I got to watch things like Fantasy Island. <laughs> and too hot oh to handle. Oh, my goodness. Too hot too to handle. Hot to handle. <laughs> and oh Clone Wars. Figure it out, Kirsten. You got seven days. <laughs> T-H-T-H. That's what I call it. Yeah. Oh, sorry, what is that, Art? T-H-T-H, Too Hot to Handle. <laughs> Why do you have an oh, acronym Oh, my goodness, for it? I love it. You've already acronymed it. Uh, <laughs> or technically, it's an initialism. If we're I have be. way too many oh. thoughts about that trashy show. I'm, I'm sorry, Kirsten, pop the brakes. Did you just say an initialism? Yeah, the, the T-H-T, whatever you said. It's an initialism, not an acronym. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. My etymology nerd brain is about to explode. Yeah. I'm going to go and do research as soon as we're done. Kirsten James, where can we find you on TikTok? That's an important distinction. Kirsten.James. And where can we find you on Instagram? Kirsten.James. And if there's a third thing that comes, then I'm just going to have a full-on ellipses. Kirsten ellipses dot, dot, James. Dot. I love it. Uh, Art Aronson. At Art Aronson. So glad you could stick through, uh, through with us through the whole pod. Uh, it's nice to have you. We know you're busy as stink. Yeah, thanks, guys. Paul Plastino. At Paul Plastino. Brian, am I going to see you in person this week? <gasps> Can I say something? Wait, because I saw Brian in person this oh, week. Oh, weird. 
Oh yeah, and right, right. It was so weird, like because Paul and Art, I know you guys see each other like all the time, distantly. Um, but it was so weird to see Brian. Like I got really emotional. Like even oh, Brian said this, me too. and it was just like it was so weird. It was like, oh my god, oh it's Brian, and the like you want to like hug but you can't and you want to like get close and you can't and it was just so weird and brian it like really set me off for thinking like when all of this is over how i'm gonna see people but then still not be allowed to do like hug and i don't know it was weird so you decided to decided to glitter bomb me after you did that that's what yeah (laughs) (laughs) the emotion the emotional roller coaster i put her on from seeing me made her glitter bomb your desk (laughs) that is a true fact i did do that after i saw brian so that is a sad thing because i think we all like a couple of weeks ago were thinking that like oh boy when this is all over it's just going to be non-stop music festival and hugging constantly and it's like oh no we're gonna it's gonna be like another year of Maybe we'll get to see each other through pe- plexiglass yeah. and, you know, from six feet away, if we're allowed to see each other. It's, yeah. it's yeah, going to be at a this very point, gradual. I would take that. Oh, for like, sure. For sure. Yeah. But, like, it's going to be the gradual buildup to the music festival hug fest, and it's not the big explosion, like, I think we all want. No, yeah. No. And that's, that's, like, I'm not usually a big hugger, but, like... I don't know. It was just, uh, it was so weird. It was so weird to have, like, see somebody that I haven't seen in six weeks. And, like, I don't, it was so weird. Yeah. No, That's all I, I know. Have to say about I felt that. that too. Anyway. But it was good to see you, Brian. <laughs> Brian, have you kept your blood donation appointment? Uh, actually, they canceled it on me. Yeah, me too. Oh. Yeah. Man, I really? meant to, I meant to message you because, like, I, yeah, I thought I was going to get to see you, uh, to donate blood with you. But then they called me and they said there's actually, there were too many beds, uh, booked. So they had to actually cut it in half. And I was just, I was on the other end oh, of that. Oh, that's so snap. strange. Yeah. So are you, I, are you donating? Yeah. I did make the cut. So I am going. I just won't see you. Oh, oh that's that sad. <laughs> Bud's blood is better. Yeah. They want, they want <laughs> your blood now. He's got some Tom Hanks quality blood in him. <laughs> oh, God, that's actually really disappointing. I was really looking forward to being in a space with you that is very... I know, You man. know, because it, it's... PSA, it's still very safe to donate blood, and the need is great. Like, they do still need people to donate blood, obviously, except for this week when so they've got Brian. too many beds. Booked. Yeah, so the, they are rebooking me, and actually the, the day that they're able to rebook me is my birthday, so I'm going to go on my birthday. So. Hilarious. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday, here's a needle. Yeah, here's a needle yeah. in there. <laughs> Well, Brian, where can we find you on whatever it was? Uh, Boytano913 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Um, <laughs> and uh, DJ Boytano on Facebook. And you're going to start uh, doing streamy streams, right? I, I will. I'm planning one out right now. Sorry. I just I don't. I want to make it not boring because I, I, I don't know. To, maybe what – I don't know. Maybe it's just because I would see a lot of DJs do live streams and stuff. I just don't want to be that – guy that's just like you're watching it for the first five minutes and you're like now what lasers so ryan i have the solution for you are you ready for this okay glitter that's right (laughs) i know where to get some (laughs) i'm webmeister bud on also all socials and tiktok i guess this has been the geek out podcast episode 82 thank you very much for listening stay safe and sane bye the geek out podcast is a production of the zone at 91.3 The views expressed here are not necessarily those of this radio station. And really, some of those views are pretty stupid. I mean, come on. 
For more on-demand audio from The Zone, visit thezone.fm slash podcast or the on-demand tab of our app. Thanks for listening, and thanks for being a zoner.